verse now. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus. Sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansions bright and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we We'll sing and shout the victory. Amen. Let's turn around and shake hands and fellowship. Don't get in a hurry. Welcome our visitors. remain stand for a word of prayer are you glad to be in the house of the lord on wednesday night say amen we're glad you're here and what a blessing it is to be able to come tonight let's pray now and ask the lord to work tonight in this service my quest if you would lead us in prayer please yes yes Yes. Amen. Let's continue to sing. Page 524 at Calvary. 524. 
years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not my Lord was crucified, knowing not it was for me he died on Calvary. Mercy there was great and grace was free, pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. On the last now, all the love that drew salvation's plan, all the grace that brought it down to man, all the mighty gut that God did spend at Calvary. was free pardon there was multiplied to me there my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary on the course again mercy there was great and grace was free pardon there was multiplied to me there my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's set rushers come forward to receive her offering. And tonight is the last night that you have to give uh, special to the Bible conference. And let me uh, encourage you to drop in just a little bit extra tonight. And this will help us with all the expenses that are coming up. We appreciate all that you have done. And we're excited about the conference. Got a good group coming in this this year. We're ahead of last year. Every year it's just grown and grown and grown. And a lot of new ones coming in this year. And But we're a larger group coming in. But I would encourage you tonight just to drop a little bit something extra in there. We have enough to take care of the rooms and different things. Got food expense. And then, of course, uh, the speakers as they come in, different things will be receiving offerings throughout the course of the meeting. But if you drop in something a little extra tonight, I believe the Lord will bless you for it. But I appreciate your giving in all things. Appreciate the way you give in, in all the many different things been going on. Someone gave me a check tonight for $500 put in a building fund. That's great. And uh, we'll be able to get our letters glued up on the building right. We run out of money, so we had to use duct tape. Amen. But uh, we'll go out and buy glue tomorrow for them. Now, that's just uh, so they could dry. But anyway... I appreciate you giving, but what you give tonight goes toward the expense of the meeting, the food, the motel rooms, and different things like that, and we'd appreciate it so much. Let me just remind you, of Sunday, of course, a lot of things happening on Sunday. Of course, it's homecoming, our 61st, 61st anniversary, and we'll be having uh, the meal afterwards, so when you come in with your food, just take it by the fellowship hall. There'll be some ladies over there to take it and to put it out, mark your dishes and things like that. And, and then, of course, here in the services, a lot of things will be going on. We'll be dedicating the new part out here. And they got a lot of new things done uh, today. And we'll be getting a lot of other things done and finishing the inside out. And all to be done by Sunday morning. But uh, we'll be dedicating that this Sunday. And then we'll have a lot of special guests to be coming in. We want you to get to meet uh, the folks that have been responsible for everything. Uh, the architects, uh, interior decorators, different things like that. They'll all be here Sunday. So you can meet them and, and uh, the folks that we've enjoyed working with over the past three months. 
But we'll be dedicating uh, the new part Sunday. And then, of course, it's the beginning of the Bible conference. Brother Tom will be in Sunday morning. Brother Don Whaley will be in Sunday morning. And uh, so just a lot of things going on. And, of course, all next week throughout the conference, I hope that you have made plans and have already purposed in your heart and mind you're going to be here every night. I don't want you to miss the night. Service starts 7 o'clock every night. And so uh, we're just looking forward to it and trusting the Lord. At the end of the service night, we're going to be passing out our prayer assignments. And as we do each year, I give you a name of someone that is coming in so you can be praying for them. And we'll tell you more about that in just a little while. But you give tonight, and the Lord will bless you for your giving and what you're giving to and the reason the cause in your giving tonight is something that I really believe God will bless you and reward you for. So I encourage you to give. Father, thank you for the privilege you've been able to give. And thank you, Lord, for what we're giving for. Pray for the conference now. and Pray for everyone that will be coming in. And Lord, the number of guests is even larger this year than it was last year. And there's no way in the world, Lord, that we could have put up everybody we're putting up. Over $6,000 worth of motel rooms. We couldn't have done it, Lord, if it had not been for the giving of the people of God. So we thank you, Lord, for their generosity over the year. Bless the needs and the offering tonight. I pray you would use it now to be a blessing to everybody that will come in and to this church. In Jesus' name, amen. throat was 
gave me water that I had never dreamed of. But for this water, my Lord had to die. He said, I thirst, yet he made the the king of the ages. In his great thirst, he brought water to me. Now there's a river that flows as clear as crystal. And it flows from God's throne up above, and like a river, it dwells up inside me, bringing mercy and life-giving love. He said, I thirst. Yet he made the rivers. He said, I thirst. Yet he made the sea. Oh, I thirst, said the king of the ages. In his great thirst, water to me. Oh, he said, I thirst, yet he made the rivers. He said, I thirst, yet he made the the king of the ages in his great thirst he brought water to me in his great thirst he brought water to
their guilty state and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains let's take our bibles and turn to the book of ephesians chapter 2 the book of ephesians chapter 2 and while you're turning there let me just make mention that tonight it's the start of our Awana season, Awana year, so a number that had been in here during the summer now next door with the Awana, and we had a great year last year, and looking forward to even a better year this year, but let's remember all the Awana leaders and all the children that will be coming in. The leaders have worked so hard over there getting rooms in shape and different things, so let's pray for them and pray that the Lord will bless them. And then, uh, I think somebody sent me a note Sunday, they were hot. Were you hot on Sunday? Were you hot? Well, we just, what we did, we spent so much money, we, we had to, you know, cut off all of our air conditioner units and things like that. Now, we had a unit down. In fact, we found out over the week and found out this week, lightning running on a unit, so we got a unit completely out that we got to replace, so we're going to try to have it replaced by Sunday. But... Uh, I wish we, everybody talks about it. I'd like to go back to the old days. I, yeah, I, I see that every Sunday, how much you like to go back to the old days. Uh, we ought to try that. We ought to try that about six months. Turn all the lights off and just light candles and turn all the air off and things like that. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Amen? It'd be different. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I'd be looking for another church. I know how that goes. Look in Ephesians chapter 2, last or... Uh, uh, Wednesday night, a couple of weeks ago, I shared with you the first, of, uh, first part of three parts of what I'm calling the posture of the Christian life, the posture of the Christian life. And you read the book of Ephesians, there are three words that stand out. There's a word in the very uh, early part of the book, there's a word in the middle part of the book, and there's a word at the end of the book. And these three words to me, they kind of give you the divisions of Ephesians. And they kind of tell you what Ephesians is all about. I want you to stand tonight. We're going to look at the second of these uh, three words. We looked at the first one here a couple of weeks ago. And that was the word sit. And we saw that in Ephesians chapter 2. And tonight we want to look at the second word. And that is the word walk. The first word is the word sit. Verse chapter 2, verse 6, he hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I look in, in Ephesians 2 and verse 10. Here's the second word that introduces the second thought or the second division in the book of Ephesians. Verse 10 of Ephesians 2, the scripture said, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And you see that word walk there? Let me read verse 10 to you again. It said, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. We, what we are, and whatever you become in your Christian life, I want to remind you, it's all of God's doing. We are His workmanship. But we've been made and created by God, and what He's doing in our life has this ultimate goal in mind. 
unto good works. You see, you cannot divorce works from the life of the believer. That's what you've been created in Christ Jesus for, that you might work, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in those good works. Thank you. you may be seated. And tonight we're going to look at this second word. Not only do we find in the posture of the Christian life the matter of sitting, but there is also the matter of walking. We'll review what we looked at in just a moment, but let's pray and then we'll move right along. Father, we thank you tonight for the Lord Jesus Christ, and we thank you for his workmanship. And I am told, Lord, that the word workmanship is the word from which we get our word poem. And Father, when I think about all that you've done, you've taken all the things of life, the good and the bad, and you brought them into a beautiful harmony in our life to bring to pass all that you had designed for us as a child of God. And that is that we might serve you and that we might do the good works that you've given to us as a child of God. So help us tonight, Lord, to walk in that which you have given us to do. Thank you, Lord, for Christ Jesus and for our position in Him and for our riches in Him, for all that we have in Him. Now I pray that you'll teach us how to make it practical in our life, for it is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ we pray and ask these things. Amen. Well, as I said, there are three words in the book of Ephesians that define the heart and the soul of the child of God. These three words define the wealth of the believer, they define the walk of the believer, and they define the warfare of the believer. And again, these three words are sit, walk, and stand. Well, I want to just remind you of what we covered in our first study, and that had to do with the blessings of the Christian life. And there were three things we thought about as we thought about the matter of sitting, where he talks about how we are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. And we saw these three things. One, we thought about our riches in Christ. And we saw in Ephesians chapter 1 that we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. We've been blessed with all the blessings of the Spirit. And we find in Ephesians chapter 1 that God has blessed us in numerous ways. Verse 4 says we are chosen. Verse 5 says we are adopted. Verse 7 or verse 6 says we are accepted. Verse 7 says we are forgiven. Verse 13 says we are sealed. And that is just a few of the things that we have in Christ, our riches in Christ. The second thing we notice as we thought about the blessings of the Christian life is our redemption in Christ. And we thought about how we are redeemed in whom we have redemption through His blood verse 7 of Ephesians chapter 1. And we saw how that we've been redeemed. In chapter 2, it talks about how once we were dead, it talked about how we were defiled, it talked about how we were depraved, it talked about in verse 4, even though we were dead, defiled, and depraved, we were delivered, we were redeemed, we were set free. So there's not only our riches in Christ, but there's also our redemption in Christ. And then the third thing that we looked at had to do with our rest in Christ. You take the word sit. The ideal is of resting. It's like sitting on something. And when you sit on something, you're putting your whole weight on that which you are sitting on. You are trusting that to support you. And when you talk about being seated with Christ in the heavenlies and how there's this matter of sitting in the Christian life, it implies that we are resting in Christ Jesus alone. I want you to understand something. Like I preached Sunday morning, we are not going to heaven because of what we do. We are going to heaven because of what Christ has done. 
and we rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. We sit in Him. And the very beginning of the Christian life has to do with the matter of sitting. As I said here a couple of weeks ago, many have the idea that the Christian life is a matter of walking. That's where they start the Christian life at. They think, I've got to do this. I've got to walk this way. I've got to live that way in order to be a Christian. No, you've got to sit before you can ever walk. And if you don't sit, you'll never be able to walk the way God wants you to walk. So it starts with sitting, our blessings of the Christian life. Tonight I want to look at the second of these three things, and that has to do with the behavior of the Christian life. If the word sit seems to pivot around our blessings in Christ, then the word walk has to do with the behavior of the Christian life. We read it just a moment ago in chapter 2, verse 10. It talks about how we have been ordained that we should walk in them. There are certain things that have been ordained by God that is to be true about every believer and how as a child of God we are to walk in them. Now the word sit has to do with position in Christ. It has to do with our position in Christ. If you are sitting and if you are in Christ, then you are, there's so many things that you have because of your position in Christ. The word sit has to do with the commencement of the Christian life. But the word walk has to do with the conduct of the Christian life. The word sit has to do with our position. The word walk has to do with our practice. When you look at the matter of walking in the Christian life, what you have is the outworking of that heavenly position on earth. We have a certain position in Christ. We, are, we have been quickened together with Him. We have been raised together with Him, and we are seated together with Him. That is our heavenly position. Ephesians 2 talks about that. But when you begin this matter of walking, you're talking about the outworking of that position, of that heavenly position in our life upon earth. In other words, as a heavenly people, we are required to bear the stamp of that heaviness upon, upon us in our earthly conduct. Because I am a Christian, I am to be a Christian. I am to walk. Now look at chapter 2, verse 10, and I point out just a thought before I move into three things I want to share with you tonight. But you notice in chapter 2, verse 10, that when he talks about our walk, that our walk is connected to our works. You see that again? He talks about we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. And then it says the latter part, that we are to walk in them as it's been ordained by God. Walk in them. What is them? Who is them? It is the good works. Now, when you look at the Christian life as defined in the Bible, again, you'll find that the word walk or you'll find the ideal of walking and works go together. When it talks about walking, it is talking about that which has been manifested in our life, that which has been expressed in our life. It is talking about our works. Now, let me say this about works in the life of the believer. The real test of the genuineness of someone's faith is their works. James talks about that. James chapter 2, it talks about a man being justified by his faith and by his works. And James talks about a man that does not have works, he does not have faith. Now James is not teaching us that we must work in order to be saved. But James is talking about that a man is justified, there will be works in his life. He said, I will show thee my faith by my works. That's what James said. James is saying that I am justified in the eyes of God by my faith. 
but I am justified in the eyes of man by my works. Now, how do you know that anyone is saved? You can't read their heart. You can't know the depths of their heart. But there's something in their life that says to you, this is a person that has been raised together with Christ, quickened together with Christ, and seated with Christ. There's something in your life. I put it this way before. If you've been saved, it's, it's kind of like having the measles. If you got them, they're going to pop out on you somewhere. Can I get an amen there? And so the, your works or your walk is a test of the genuineness of our faith. But here's the question I want to answer tonight. What kind of walk should we have as a child of God? What kind of walk should we have? Well, look at the chapter here. Look at the book. And let's just point out a few of the verses that has to deal with the matter of walking. And let me say, first of all, that we ought to walk appropriately. Now, when we talk about this matter of walking, we find that we ought to walk appropriately. Look at Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. And I would encourage you to go home and read Ephesians and, and put a circle around the word walk every time you find it in Ephesians, and you'll find it a number of times, I believe about eight times in the book. But in chapter 4, notice verse 1. He said, I therefore the prison of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. I underscore the word worthy. There's our word walk again. And he's telling us that we're to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith we are called. The word worthy there simply means appropriate. He is saying that we're to walk appropriate of our vocation. We're to walk appropriate. We're to walk in such a way that is appropriate to what we have in Christ and who we are in Jesus Christ. If I may put it this way, what Paul is telling me when he tells me to walk appropriately or to walk worthy, he's telling me that since I am a Christian, I am seated with Christ, that I am to walk appropriately or I am to be Christ-like in my life because of what I am in Christ. Now, you are a Christian. If you've been saved, you are a Christian. Would you not agree? Say amen. All right, therefore, if you are a Christian, then you ought to live like a Christian. You ought to walk appropriately of what you are in Jesus Christ. If you have been quickened together with Christ, you have been raised together with Christ, and you have been seated together with Christ, then it's only appropriate that you live a Christ-like life. When he talks about this matter of being a Christian, all through the book of Ephesians, he's talking about things that we should do as a believer and things that we should not do as a believer. And all of it being appropriate to who we are in Christ. Now, you take just my position in life as being a preacher. I am first of all a Christian. But my position in life is not only as being a Christian, but being a minister, being a preacher. Now, there's certain things that people, when they look at a minister... Uh, there's a lot of things, I've found this through the years, that a lot of times what people think is all right in their life, they don't feel like is right in a preacher's life. But I'd say this, if it's wrong for you, if it's wrong for me, it's wrong for you. Can I get an amen right there? But, you, there's some, but when you think about being a preacher, obviously there's some things that you think that a preacher doesn't do. A God-called preacher, he doesn't pull for Alabama. Can I get an amen right there? Certainly don't pour for Florida. Say amen right there. I mean, there's some things you just don't do as a preacher. But the same thing is true about the Christian life. As a Christian, there are some things that it's only appropriate that you do. And there are some things that it's only appropriate 
that you don't do because you are a child of God. Look in chapter 5 and verse 1, for example. In chapter 5, verse 1, when you talk about this matter of walking appropriately, for one thing, it is a walk. This support kind of when I talk about an appropriate walk, let me say, first of all, that it is a walk of conformity. Now, what is an appropriate walk as a believer? It is a walk of conformity. Chapter 5, and notice verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Now, I want you to notice the word followers there. Now, we read that word, we have the ideal of getting behind someone and just following them. But the word that is used here in translated followers is literally, it speaks of an imitator. Paul is said in chapter 5, verse 1, Be ye therefore imitators of God as dear children. Now we're dear children because we've been quickened, raised, and seated with Christ in the heavenlies. That's why we're a child. And now he tells us in chapter 5, verse 1, that I am to be a follower of God or I am to be an imitator of God. In other words, the life that is appropriate and the walk that is appropriate for a believer is one of conformity that I am to reflect Jesus Christ in my life. Really, when you call yourself a Christian, that's what you're saying. Christian simply means a Christ one. And it's a term of endearment today, but when it was given, in Acts chapter 11, the first time you find the word Christian in the Bible, you'll find that it was a term of scorn. The name of Christ was hated in those days. And here were those that were identifying themselves with Christ, and so they were called Christians those who follow Christ, those who walk in the way, those that are identified with Him. So when you say you are a Christian, you are saying you are a Christ one. And it only just, when you think about this matter of walking appropriately, then you realize that an appropriate walk is one of conformity. That's only appropriate. That your life be Christ-like. That your life reflect Jesus Christ. It's like Paul, not Paul, but George Whitfield used to pray, Lord, if I am going to be like Thee in heaven someday, help me to be as much like Thee on earth today. That's conformity. But not only is it a walk of conformity, but it's also a walk of maturity. Look in chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. He talks about, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. And when he talks about a perfect man, it's not talking about a sinless man. It's talking about someone that is mature, Someone that is an adult as we would think about a mature individual under the measure of the stature, the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slate of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie and wait to deceive. We're talking about walking appropriately. Because we are seated with Christ, then we ought to walk appropriately. It is a walk of conformity. It is a walk of maturity. We grow in our Christian life. Our life reflects Christ and we're constantly growing in our life, becoming stronger and stronger and more mature and more and more reflecting Jesus Christ in our life. It is a walk of conformity and maturity. We are to walk appropriately. But second of all, not only should we walk appropriately, but we should walk differently. Look in chapter 4 and verse 17. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17. What kind of walk? That's what I'm saying now. Get the point now. If you are seated with Christ, then this is how y'all to walk. This is what y'all to do. Your, your conversion is followed by conduct. Your position is followed by practice. Because you sit, therefore walk. 
And how should you walk? You walk appropriately and you walk differently. Chapter 4, verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Simply put, this is what he says. Since we're children of God, we should not walk as children of the devil. He tells us in verse 17, walk not as other Gentiles walk. Verse 18, he talks about having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Alienated there, cut off, having no life, a stranger to the grace of God and stranger to the life of God. He says to us that since we're children of God, we should not walk as children of the devil. He says to us that since we have life, we should not act like we're dead men. Since we're living in Christ, we should not act like we're dead to Christ or not dead to God and do not know Him. Chapter 5, and notice verse 8. Chapter 5, Ephesians 5 and verse 8. He said, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. He said, Because you are children of God, don't live like children of the devil. Because you have life in God, don't live as those who are dead. And because you have light, don't live as if you are in darkness. He's telling us, simply put, that I am to live differently. I am different. You are different. We are seated with Christ. And because we have this position in Christ, then we're different. And because we are different, we are to reflect that difference in our life. Now, you listen to me. Not everything is right and not everything is wrong. We are to live a different kind of life because of who we are in Jesus Christ. Let me put it this way. Christians ought to be different in this world. Would you not agree? Part of the problems today in this world and part of the problems in our churches today is that Christians don't live any different. As Vance Abner said, the world has become so uh, churchy and the church has become so worldly, you can't tell the two apart. But we are to be different. Look in chapter 4. Paul gives a wonderful analogy to describe this difference. In chapter 4, verse 22 and 24, I point out two things about this walk that is different. First of all, I see in verse 22 that we're to put on the new man. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 22, notice what he said. That you put off, or you put on the new man in verse 24 rather, and that you put on the new man. You see, first of all, we put on the new man. The second thing is we put off the old man, that's found in verse 22, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. Now, the analogy that Paul uses is like taking, uh, putting on a coat or taking that coat off. He talks about the new man, which is what you are in Christ Jesus, the old man, what you were before you got saved. And he says, now this is how you live. You live different because you're a child of God. Therefore, you want to put off any of the old garments of the old life. I'm not talking about our physical dress, though that sometimes may apply. But I'm talking about the garments of our life, the way we lived, and different things like this. He said, I want you to put off everything that is identified with the old man. I want you to put on everything that is identified with the new man. What is he talking about? He is talking about living differently. What is it we're to put off? 
Well, you notice in verse 27, chapter 4, he talks about putting off the actions of the old man. He says, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands, a thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. He said, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. He talks about all these things that were just a part of our lives. He talks about how crooked we were. He talks about how we cursed and the way we talked and the way we lived and how we gave place to the devil and our lust and things like this. This is part of the old man. But he said, I want you to put off all the actions of the old man. He even tells us, beginning in verse 31, to put off the attitudes of the old man. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Even our attitudes ought to be different. I want to say to some folk, I thank God it's not been that way here, but I've been some places and known some places where some folk, they couldn't even get along with themselves. And they griped about this, and they griped about this, and they were angry about this, and tear down this, and gossip about this one, and talk about that one, and whatever. And I want to say to them, you're acting like the old man. That's the way a person lives that's never been born again. That's the way a person lives that's never been saved. You to put off all the actions and all the attitudes of the old man and put on that which is identified with the new man. Can I get an amen there? We are to walk differently. Since we are seated with Christ, therefore we are to walk appropriately. And we're to walk differently. But look at a third and a final thing. Not only should we walk appropriately and walk differently, but notice chapter 5, verse 15, we should walk carefully. Chapter 5 and verse 15. He says to us in chapter 5, verse 15, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. See that word circumspectly there? It simply means to walk carefully. It's to be very diligent about how you live, to be very diligent about your daily life, to be very careful in how you live. Now, he tells me because of my position in Christ, now this is how I ought to walk. Because I have been saved, that I ought to live like a saved man. And because I am a Christian, that I ought to live like a Christian. I am to walk appropriately, I am to walk differently, and I am to walk carefully. Now, how am I to walk carefully? I'll point out three things, and then I close. For one thing, chapter 5, verses 11 through 13, we see that we are to guard our life. Chapter 5, verse beginning in verse 11, notice what he said. And I, brethren... Uh, chapter 5, I'm in the book of Galatians. Let me get in Ephesians. That'll help there. I thought something wasn't right. Chapter 5, verse 11, he said, And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But in all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light, Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly. He's talking about all the things of darkness, having nothing to do with them, them not touching our life, our life not being involved in them, to guard our life. It's like you say, guard your life from anything that would defile you. May I say to you that you as a child of God and I as a child of God, 
that one of the ways we walk carefully is in this world is full of stumbling uh, uh, places and things that can cause you to stumble and all kinds of things is to guard our lives. Guard our lives. When you drop down your guard, that's when Satan fires his fiery darts. And we'll look at that as we look at the word stand. But you guard your life. Chapter 5, verse 11 through 13. But second of all, guide your life. Look in chapter 5, verse 17. Not only guard our life, but we walk carefully by guiding our life. And we find that guide in verse 17. Wherefore be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. The guide of our life ought to be the will of God. I should do nothing that is outside the will of God. I should be nothing that is outside the will of God. I should attempt nothing that is outside the will of God. The guide of our life ought to be is this God's will for my life. Walk carefully. Guarding your life from all sin. Guiding your life by the will of God. And thirdly, chapter 5, verse 18, give your life. Not only guard your life and guide your life, but give your life. Chapter 5, verse 18, and be ye not, be not drunk with wine wherein success, but be filled with the Spirit. Now we have this notion in our day, but being filled with the Spirit is something that you feel. F-E-E-L. And it's very possible that you'll be filled and feel. And then again, you may be filled and not feel it, F-E-E-L. But I'll tell you one thing. When it talks about being filled with the Spirit of God, it's simply talking about your life being dominated. It was a word that was used of wind filling the sails of a ship. That ship was absolutely powerless to move on its own unless the wind filled its sails. And the dynamic in behind that ship and the power behind that ship to move it and get it where it ought to have gone or should be going was the wind and that which lied outside the ship itself. Being filled with the Spirit of God means that another person has taken charge in my life and is giving my life to God. I'm asked, how do you get filled? Give your life to God. That's what being being posture. Then the posture that is to follow is your walking posture. And you are to walk appropriately, you are to walk differently, and you are to walk carefully. Since I am sitting, this is how I should be walking. The behavior of the Christian life. Take your prayer sheet. Let's look at it for just a moment. We're going to be gathering around the altar and pray, and I need a, two or three men that will help me do something. Our Bible conference, as you know, starts Sunday. We have a number of guests that are coming in. And uh, as I said, we've, we're over last year's number. Our motel bill somewhere was around $5,400, $5,500 last year. It's going to be over $6,000 this year. That's one of the ways we can determine and judge how many is coming in. And a lot of new people are coming in. And we praise God for how He's entrusted us with that number. And it just keeps growing year after year. One of the things we have tried to do, and the reason we do this in the Bible conference, is not just to draw a crowd. And I hope you've understood my motives and heart through the years, and I think you have, and that's why you've responded. We do this, and what we do, to be a blessing to others, and especially the men of God. I so many, there are so many that could not get away for a week. And they would, they maybe could get away for a week, but they could not come in and pay for a motel, and pay for their food and things like meals all during the week. They couldn't afford to do it. Many of them couldn't do it. And for that reason, they wouldn't be able to come to the conference if it were not for your generosity. 
And we started this a number of years ago to be a ministry, and it has been a ministry. And all of you dear ladies, and even men that work over in the kitchen, breakfast, and many of you be over there early morning hours, and there are many, many of you that won't even get home, leave here to 11 and 12 o'clock every night. And you work for breakfast and lunch and dinner, preparing meals and serving and whatever. You have always done it as a ministry. That's what we want to do is to provide a way where folks can come in and get away from all the cares of life and come in and just receive from God for a week through the ministry of Brother Tom and all of you folks here at the church as well as the morning services. We just want them to get away, provide a way where they can come and they can get stirred and blessed. And we pray that God will use us to spark revival in the hearts of many that are coming in. And not only to use us to be a blessing to them, but also to do something in our hearts in the Bible conference. But I've found through the years that the best way to get something is to give something. And so that's why we do it. And I appreciate the way you've done it. And one of the things we've done is that we've taken the names of the people that are coming in and we pray for them. We ask you to take a name. And beginning tonight and over the course of the Bible conference, to every day take a few minutes to pray for that person. For example, a preacher. You don't know anything about the preachers that are coming in, but who knows? Maybe some preacher will come in that is absolutely discouraged, and they feel like they're not seeing anything done. They can't get anything going. The majority of the preachers that come into this church, their churches run somewhere around 75 to 100. There may be some that will run at 100, maybe 200, and there won't be many that will come in that run any more than that. The majority of them, I said, there'll be some, maybe one or two, but the number is very small. And they come in here and they see and they watch and they observe and they hear and they're blessed by all that's going on. But never, you never know who might come in here. Say so we name one preacher. It may be he's discouraged and ready to give up. We want to call his name out to God. And when he comes, we want to pray that God give him what he needs that week. If he needs encouraging, God, would you encourage his heart? If he needs a blessing, would you bless him? If he needs blistering, God bless him. Whatever he needs, God just bless him. Give him what he needs. That's what I want you to do. And what I want you to do, a couple of you fellas come take these cards here. And if you'll take a name and pray for him, just hold your hand up. And just put this name and card in your Bible. And we need a good number of you because we've got a good number coming in. Just hold your hand up. You're going to put that name in your Bible. And every day you're going to take a few minutes, maybe five minutes, ten minutes. But you're going to call this preacher. And some of them, many of them are coming with their uh, wives and different ones like that. But uh, just uh, call their name out every day. Pray for them. Just hold your hand up high because we've got about 40-some here and maybe more than that there we need to get out. So we need all of you to help us pray and to pray for these preachers. In a moment, we're going to come and we're going to call begin even tonight this service, start calling their name out to God. Some of them are preachers, some of them are evangelists, some of them are uh, guests that are coming in, different ones, families from other churches. I know some youth pastors are coming in with their pastors this year. There are some uh, deacons coming in with some of the preachers this year. Uh, just a number there, and we want to pray for them and pray that God would touch them. What a privilege it is to go to God on the behalf of someone else. And uh, I need one of the cards too, so save me one. I didn't get one. I hand them all to you. So save me a card. One of you fellas save me a, a card there. Go through and pick out the meanest preacher in there, and I'll pray for him. Amen. That'd be Brother Tom Hayes, I guess. But uh, let's remember these tonight. Thank you, James. You got all the cards passed out, Glenn, right over here is one in the corner. A James right back here in the far corner. All the cards passed out now? Okay, that gets everybody? All right, good. Look at your prayer sheet. Our missionary of the week is Tom and Kim Pointer. 
and they're serving in wells with Baptist International Missions. Let's pray for them in that spiritually desolate country. Our Church of the Week is Fellowship Baptist Church in Saluda, North Carolina. Henry Vector and Brother Henry will be coming in next week. This is a dear, dear fella. And it's a little church, 3040, stuck up there in the mountains. But a precious, precious man. He'll be coming in, him and Miss Vector, next week. And so we want to remember Fellowship Baptist Church tonight. Juanita Warnick, they had to take her back to Huntsville today or yesterday. I want to remember Juanita. And then Eric Moore, this is Jennifer Gerard's brother in very serious condition at Erlanger Hospital. And Jennifer, of course, is uh, the dear black lady, the blind lady that comes here. So this is her brother. I want you to come tonight, and I want you, especially you that have a card, I want you to get up out of your seat tonight, and I want you to come. I want you to begin to pray tonight. I want you to pray for the pointers as they serve God in Wales. I want you to pray for Fellowship Baptist Church in Saluda, Brother Henry Vector is the pastor, and then I want you to pray for your prayer assignment for the Bible conference. And during the week, you'll get to meet them, and as they stand up and call their name out, you'll get to know who they are, and you'll be able to meet them. And I'd like for you to introduce yourself and let them know that you've been praying for them. And uh, so, all of you will. Let's just come gather around the altar. Right. Uh, Geneva, as you know, had uh, cancer surgery just a few weeks ago, and Leonard found out yesterday he has cancer. So let's remember Leonard. Leonard's really got right with the Lord and coming to church. And, and so this is like two months of one another. So let's remember Leonard. All of you will. Let's come and gather around the altar. And let's begin to pray tonight for these dear, for every one of these names. Let's pray that God will give them something special next week when they visit here at Temple Baptist. We've been entrusted by God to have them for a week to care for them for a week, to provide for them for a week, and to lift them up to God. We've been entrusted by the Lord with these many, many guests. What a privilege. And we want to call their names out to God and lift them up to God and begin to pray for them that God will give them something very, very, very special. I'm going to call on a couple of you to lead us in prayer tonight, and then I'll close our prayer. Let's just take just a little, a few more minutes tonight to pray for Sunday and pray for the conference and for all the things that are going on that God will just bless it in a very, very special way. Brian Dean, are you in here tonight? Brian, where are you at? Brian, I want you to lead us in prayer. And then Arlen Smith, I want you to continue the prayer. And then I'll close our prayer tonight. Brian, if you would, lead us, please. Yes, Lord. Yes. Father, we pray. Yes. Yes, Lord, touch us. Just... 
Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Brother Arlen, will you continue our prayer? Yes. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Father, we continue to pray. We pray for the Pointer family and we pray for their work in Wales. Father, we ask you to bless them and use them. Such a need there. And Lord, a country that once, uh, Lord, just about a hundred years ago, uh, was experiencing tremendous revival. But now churches are closed everywhere. Congregations are dying every day. 
I pray, God, for the work of God in the country of Wales, among the English folks, the Welsh folks. I pray, God, for all the UK that you would visit them once again. But I pray you use the pointers there in their work. Pray for Fellowship Baptist Church in Saluda. Thank you, Brother Henry. What a faithful servant of God this has been through the years. I pray you bless his work in the mountains. We thank you, Lord, for what you did there back in the early 70s and the work of God and the revival there. Brother Tom to be here next week at our conference, Lord. Uh, God, you brought him into the family in that revival. And God, so many others. We thank you for Brother Vector and his faithfulness through the years. But God bless them once again. And I know the desire of his heart is to once again see a work of God like occurred back then. So bless. And then, Lord, we pray for every one that will be coming in. In particular, Lord, we lift up uh, those that you've entrusted us to pray for in the coming week, the one that you have given me. I pray for this dear preacher and his wife, the special to our hearts. I pray you bless them. I pray, God, that you will just do something special in their hearts next week. I pray every service and minister to them. God, just set them on fire. Just do something special. Open the windows of heaven and do something for them next week. Thank you again for your love and your grace. And we lift up everything that's going on Sunday, all the activities Sunday, as well as the preaching of the Word of God in the conference. And then as many will be traveling from all over this country on Monday to be here, and some even on Saturday and some on Sunday. Protect them and watch over them. And I pray, God, that you'll bless and help us here to be a good servant to the servants of the Lord that are coming in. God, may you give us a servant's heart. God, I pray that you just give us a spirit that wants to care about others for a week and wants to wait on others and to help others and to be a blessing to others. And may they see in us what real Christianity is all about. So bless us here. And thank you for all you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thank you for being here. Appreciate all of you being here. Everything's looking good. I praise God for it. You'll like it all Sunday when it's done. See you. Hey, yeah, just a second. I need to make one very important announcement, if I could, please. And this involves all the parents of the teenagers. I almost forgot this. If you have a teenager in grades 7 through 12, they have gone to a special service tonight, the Impact 2000 service at, Relig at Ridgeland High School. And they're going to be back around 9 o'clock. I think they tried to get a hold of everybody they could today. But uh, you can, uh, the note is you can either wait for them, come back for them, or the leaders will bring your child home after the service. So I assume that if you're not here when they get back, they'll, that means they understand that you're, you're not coming back. All right? But if you have teenagers 7 through 12, you're dismissed.